Hey, New Life Community Church here, uh, Paco, a Latino in Little Village. Um, I want to give you a great greeting, and you can't imagine how um, happy I am to come to you from the outdoors, the great outdoors here in Chicago. It happens to be a very sunny day today. Uh, it's, a, it's not super warm. I'm still wearing double layers. Uh, but I want to uh, send you a great greeting. And um, I'm deeply grateful to God for being together this morning. I want to invite you to go with me um, and to hear God's word, to think God's word, to um, digest God's word with me today in the Gospel of John, chapter 19. The Gospel of John, chapter 19, beginning in verse 7. And this is what the word of God says. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. The son of God was the title for Caesar. He claimed to be another Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace and he asked Jesus, where do you come from? But Jesus gave him no answer. And then Pilate said, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to kill you, to crucify you? Man, what powerful words. I have the power, the authority to kill you or to free you. Today I would like to talk about something that we don't talk enough I would like to talk with you about power. Specifically, I would like to talk about politics for a few moments. Jesus kind of politics. And so in order for us to do that this morning, in just a few minutes, I would like to review two things. I would like to give you a clarification, maybe even a definition. And then I would like to send out a challenge to you. The first thing that I would love to review with you is something that you might have or might have, might have heard or might have not heard. But this last Sunday, I had the great privilege of being able to go and translate for Pastor Chris at the um, Carlove location when our English and Spanish services were gathered together. Uh, Krista wasn't able to come, and so I had the privilege of being able to translate and hear Pastor Chris's message. And I would like to review with you just a, a couple of things that he mentioned that are absolutely important for you and for me. As we think of the word power, power. I love the way that Pilate put it, so bold, so clear. Don't you realize I have the power to set you free or to crucify you, not just kill you, but to like excruciatingly draw the life out of you. As we review a little bit of what Pastor Chris mentioned this last Sunday, I just want to remind you, this is a little bit of what he gave to us. Um, you know, every political, political group, political party actually has like a platform. In other words, this is a vision of the world. This is the way that we would like our world to go. And so as a political entity, we would love for you to jump in with us and to support the ideals that we have for this world. This is whether, you know, like 
has to do with um, how big government should be or what we should do with immigrants or um, how the police should run or how money should be given or taken away from people as taxes or you know how things should be divvied up. Every political group, every group of people that gather together long for power to be able to fulfill their agenda. But the question that Pastor Chris said last week for us was asking, well, what is, it that, what is God's agenda for the world? What is God's platform in this world? And he gave us three things. I'd like to just briefly review them with you. The first thing that he said is God moves in this world with a deep desire that every human would be able to experience full freedom to be able to decide. At the very beginning of creation, God said to uh, men and women, multiply yourselves and uh, like fill the earth. In the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul says something that's very important. He says, is that I long that every man and woman would raise their arms freely in worship to God. He says that right after he says that we should pray for the God for the for the for the head of the empire for our, your governors and people above you along the people would pray for them but that also so that they would have the freedom of being able to raise holy hands in worship and prayer God from the very beginning of creation has been desired that every man and woman would choose freely life for themselves not impose on them, but that they would freely choose them. And of course, he desires for Christians, believers, his disciples, to, um, to encourage freedom everywhere they are. And so God supports and encourages governments and gatherings of people that wield their power in order to allow freedom for humans to become fully what God has meant for us to be. The first thing that God fully desires for the world is for humans to have full freedom in such a way that they choose freely for themselves instead of being imposed upon. The second thing that Pastor Chris mentioned was justice justice and justice is thinking of God's vision for the world that the youngest ones and the oldest ones in other words the most vulnerable in the world would be fully taken care of in such a way that they can thrive the most when in a society where justice prevails the most vulnerable are are able to thrive and who are the most vulnerable in our society well the, the the youngest ones and the oldest ones tend to be the ones that people that are the most vulnerable ones and to be the ones that people decide over and can step over easily so thinking of a, a human from conception all the way to the point when they are about to die that they would be truly taken care of with dignity from the very beginning to the very end and everything in between. There's one more thing. When we think of justice, is God throughout all of the Bible highlights four groups of people who don't tend to be less 
sinful or more sinful. It's just that it's a lot easier to sin against them. In fact, governments throughout the planet use them as scapegoats. These four groups of people is the fatherless, the widow, the poor, and the foreigner. Here's what God desires. God's platform, God's vision for the world is a world in which the fatherless, the widows, the poor, and the, the strangers, the foreigners would be fully taken care of with dignity in such a way that they would thrive. Freedom and justice. The third thing has to do with the fact that when God created humanity, he told them, cultivate the earth. And out of that little word cultivate, we get our word culture. In other words, spread beauty throughout the world. Think about cultivating the earth. I mean, it's not just that trees and flowers would blossom everywhere, but humans have been given the great privilege and honor of being able to arrange trees, to take care of flowers in order to help them become even more beautiful. Have you ever looked at a field? This week, my wife and I got to go to, to a place where there were a lot of gardens and, and we were astounded. I mean, it was shocking how beautiful it was, the way that they had worked with the natural, natural beauty to make it even more beautiful, more exponentially beautiful. And so, when we think of beauty, we think of humans becoming fully like God in developing beautiful things. It has to do with dance. It has to do with art. It has to do with mathematics. It has to do with color. It has to do with sound, with music. With so humans becoming fully what they are. And God is for humans to be fully free. For humans to experience full dignity and justice in justice and humans to be able to express themselves fully like their creator bring great worship through cultivating the earth through culture creating and spreading god's beauty in the world so three things that i want you to to remember and to think through as we think of what is it that god what is God's vision for the world? And so I want to remind you that God doesn't just desire those things, but he sends his people out to, to spread out beauty and justice and beauty and justice and freedom throughout the world and to affirm people's, the humans, full dignity. And he doesn't just desire that. He doesn't just send his people to do that. He calls us to do that. But he also is for governments who bend, lean the way that he wants the world to be. Those governments that lean towards justice to, to take care of the vulnerable. Those governments that lean towards beauty to be able to express and to allow people to express God's beauty. Those governments that lean towards humans being fully free to choose for themselves and to be fully who God made them to be. God is for them. 
And that's the first thing I want to remind you on. Second thing that I want to say to you, that I want to speak and bring a clarification. It's really a quick thing, but um, uh, it's based on the, the passion of Jesus. In chapters 18 and 19, I just went through them this last week, um, the Apostle John uh, uses this two chapters to it's just a beautiful way how the apostle john writes his gospel but he interweaves he weaves into the conversation the word power the word power throughout all of jesus passion and crucifixion he uses words that have to do with power including the word power and so the word power is a little word that in Greek is the word exosian, exosian, ex to come out, sosian, osian is the word, is the verb to be. And um, the word m many times is translated as literally authority, authority. And so Pilate says, don't you realize I have exosian, I have the power in some translations it says i have the authority to set you free or to kill you excruciatingly kill you the word literally the etymology of it means out of me a human a person that exudes power that is pushed onto people that is expressed out of it and everybody is able to experience that power and that authority and of course there's an example when the soldiers come to get Jesus at the garden of Gethsemane the bible says that they show up and Jesus asks who are you looking for and they say Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus says not exuant but he says a me which is another form of the, the verb to be which means I am I am he and then John tells us that immediately out of that authority and power exuding out of him, coming out of him, the Bible says that all of the soldiers drew back and they end up falling on the ground. They fell in the ground, which is outstanding. It's crazy. Out of him. In chapter 18, verse 31, the Jewish leaders bring Jesus to Pilate and Pilate says, hey, go ahead and judge him. And then they use a little word again, this little word, exousian, and they say, we do not have authority to execute him, to execute him. They're using this word exousian. In other words, we don't, don't have in ourselves the power of being able to do this. We cannot do it out of ourselves. Because, of course, they were on the Roman Empire and the Roman rule. And so, it's interesting. They have no authority, they say of themselves. The word king, throughout the entire chapter, um, chapter 18 and 19, John weaves that word king all throughout all of these two chapters. And this is one thing that he says, which is super interesting. And um, at least 12 or 13 times is shown, this word king is repeated. It's, it's, like, it's like a debate about who really can be and is king and has full authority. And um, 
There's a moment in chapter 19, verse 3, where uh, the Bible says that Pilate sends him to the soldiers, and the soldiers put a crown on Jesus, and then they say, Hail, King of the Jews, and the Bible says, and then they slapped him in the face. Bam! Right in the face. Imagine that kind of king. And then we have this little exchange between Pilate and Jesus. In other words, between Rome and God, or between the empire and a nobody, a Palestinian Jew, <laughs> like a nobody, has nothing. And in chapter 19, verse 10, Pilate uses this little word again. I have, don't you realize, I have exousia. I have the power over you of life or death. And when he uses the word death, he uses the word to crucify you. And the little word crucified is to excruciatingly pull your life out of you. The Bible says that he said this because Jesus didn't respond to him. And that little exchange is beautiful and it's amazing. And Jesus says, you would not have any of this. What Jesus is saying to you is you live under this illusion that you can actually take life or give it. You live under this illusion, but this illusion is not yours. You think you actually have ultimate power, but for you, this power has only been allowed over, over you. Weaving to this these two words, king and power. It's another little word that is very interesting. It's the word parelabon, which means to freely surrender. It's kind of like, remember several years ago, it was like, put down the chalupa. It was like when a human finds himself that he, he can do no more, and let me read it to you for just a moment. It's, um, it's John chapter 19. Pilate says, it's repeated at least four times that Pilate wanted to set Jesus free because he felt like, hey, there's no reason for me to, to, to kill this man. And the Bible's very clear that he was not able to do that. He was, in fact, he was very afraid of what would happen to him if he did not put Jesus to, to death. And so it's interesting what he, the emissary, the most powerful Roman emissary in the whole region wants to do, he's not able to do. In fact, what he wants to do, he's forced out of him. The Bible says very clearly, chapter 19, verse 16, finally, Pilate handed Jesus over to them to be crucified. Bam! The guy who said, I have the power to free you, and he wants to free you, can't free him. <laughs> what happened to his political power? What happened to his imposed power? What happened to his ultimate power? He ends up surrendering. Like, oh, I can't do anything else. And it's interesting because, G, because John puts this little phrase over against the final moment of Jesus. In chapter 19, verse 30, 
The Bible tells us, and when Jesus had received the drink, he said, it is finished. With, with that, he bowed his head and he used the same word, the, absolutely the same word, and he gave up his spirit. Something that Jesus said about himself in chapter 10 of, um, of the Gospel of John. Now my fingers are starting to get a little cold and so I'm having a hard time kind of getting to John chapter 10. Um, he says, I have the power of laying down my life or taking it back. He says, I freely give it of myself. I freely give it of myself. In other words, Jesus had power to lay down his life. Jesus exercised ultimate power to lay down his life, to give his life freely away, to fully die. I want to remind you third thing. Um, this is just the third thing that I want to remind you of. Uh, last week, I talked about the long game, the long game. And I gave you a little example. In the year 2005, centered right in the battle between the two monsters of selling in America, between Walmart, who is the giant of shopping in person, and Amazon, which is the giant of shopping online. There was like a little conversation at that time, Amazon really wasn't anything. And this conversation was between Jeff Bezos who, Bezos, who had started Amazon just a few years ahead, I think seven or eight years ahead, and, um, and a bunch of his MBAs. In other words, people who were trained to think about financial matters. And um, they came and they, they talked and argued about something that at that moment they had called Futurama in Amazon. And ultimately it would become, it would be something that we would know now as Amazon Prime. And they argued and they told, them, they told Jeff Bezos, As the problem with you is that you don't have an MBA. And you, you didn't study for this. You're not capable of this. And he responded back to them before he fired them. And he said, hey, listen, the problem for you is that you have no vision for the future. You are only constrained by immediate gains. He said, I am not thinking in terms of losing money in the immediate future, like, or even the financial quarter. In fact, when Amazon Prime was rolled out, Amazon lost a lot of money. But this is what Jeff Bezos said. He said, I'm not thinking in terms of days or of quarters, financial quarters. I'm thinking in terms of changing the way in which humans shop, period. And it's interesting because maybe as we speak, you're shopping on Amazon Prime and you're about to get this thing and they lost a lot of money. But they changed the way people thought about shopping. And I give you this example because I want to remind you that Jesus has always been playing the long game. Through, in, through serving, loving enemies, 
praying for those who persecute him and giving freely away, he has invited men and women throughout the entire planet, not by force, not by scaring them into being part of his kingdom, but by loving enemies, loving people into his kingdom. And then he sends us out as his disciples to love enemies, to give, to bless, to serve, to pray for those who persecute us. I was thinking about two things based on what we talked about last week. I was thinking about where's, where's, where's the Egyptian empire? It's like, what is it? It's nothing. Where's the mighty Persian empire? It's gone. Where, where is it? Is it Iraq? What, what is it? It's like this mighty Roman empire all over the world. Where is it? Like, it's gone. Where's, where's the Spanish empire? Anybody scared of the Spanish Empire? What is, where, where is the British Empire? What has happened to all these empires? Now, where's the movement of that lonely, powerless Palestinian Jew who hung on the cross when he said, Father, forgive my enemies. Forgive those who are persecuting me, killing me because they don't know what they're doing. Him who called us. This is the second thought that I had based on last week's message is my own life. I remember literally hating God, like cursing God. And now here I am. <laughs> I'm inviting people to fall in love with God. What happened to me? Was I forcing to believing in Jesus? Was I caked into, was I scared into believing in Jesus? If you don't believe in me, this, all this. I can freely tell you I was loved into following Jesus in such a way that I want to love others as well. Jesus is playing the long game by losing his winning. He came to tell the world Hey, listen, give of yourself, love others, and as you lose with me, you will gain everything. You will gain everything. The final thing that I want to give to you is a challenge. It's a challenge. Based on what we've talked about so far, God's platform and Jesus' unstoppable power of losing I love that, of losing yourself in service for others, losing yourself in loving enemies, losing yourself in blessing those who curse you, losing yourself in giving freely without expecting in return, losing yourself in praying blessings over others. In view of God's platform of desiring beauty, to spread out beauty, to spread out culture, to spread out justice, to spread out freedom and Jesus' unstoppable power. I want to tell you how to vote. I want to tell you, two days we're going to be voting. Uh, I haven't voted yet. I know a lot of people have voted. I think like 60 million people have already voted in this country. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I remember as a little boy going with my dad to vote. 
and um, it was always a Sunday afternoon. I remember going, there was like tables. I remember seeing the lines. I remember always being captivated by the day of the elections. And so while many of you have been able to vote already, I wait until the day of the elections. I, I wanna go the day off, you know, that's just me. And I wanna tell you how to vote. Here's what I want to say. I want to say in two ways, in two things. I want to invite you to vote as followers of Jesus with great hope. Don't vote out of fear. Don't vote out of being scared. Don't vote out of emergency or urgency. Vote with your heart fully in the hope of Jesus' work in this world. This is a clear thing. I think it is um, Daniel chapter 2, verse 45, and his kingdom will last forever. Forever. Man, have great hope. But the second way in which I want to tell you how to vote, <laughs> I think you were thinking that I was going to tell you who to vote for. Um, I want to invite you to vote responsibly. Let me see if I can explain responsibly. This last week, uh, many of you have found out that Pastor Matt Mario, his family have been sick and um, not fully, um, you know, one of their children was um, sick and so they tested positive and so they stayed home. And as a result of Matt staying home, many, many, many of us have been doing his job, which is interesting because, um, <laughs> It takes many of us to be able to do Matt and Sarah's job. And um, so he asked me if I could do a couple of things that he normally would do. And, um, and so one day this week I went and did several of the things that he normally would do. By 10 o'clock I was exhausted doing what Matt does naturally, normally, in serving and loving people and thinking creatively on behalf of others, of giving himself away for the, the good of others. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, I know Matt and Sarah are gonna go and vote if they haven't done so. Um, I hope they did because now they can't go. But um, if, think about this, what, would make more of a difference in Little Village. And Matt and Sarah go once every four years and they say, I'm pro this or I'm against this. And they pull a lever to vote for someone. Or that they vote every single day with their actions saying, I believe in Jesus and I believe in his platform. I fully belong to him. And so I would love others in as many ways as possible. What makes more of a difference in this world? To vote every four years, every four years get all rallied up to be pro something or against something or to every single day of your life put into action the thing that you believe that would make a world of a difference. I want to invite you to not get all rallied up for the election day. I would invite you to day after day, join Jesus long, long term vision and strategy.
to capture the world's heart. As you go and vote, vote with great hope and vote with your actions day in and day out. A family of faith, we love you and we pray God's blessing upon you in Jesus' name. We belong fully to you, Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you.